Welcome to Coffee and Catholics, a Catholic women's talk show podcast. I'm Stacy, one of your hosts, and with me I have... Hi, I'm Alicia. I'm Annie. And I'm Lauren. Hello, and welcome to Coffee and Catholics. Today we are going to be talking about Catholic social teaching, and in today's episode, we are going to talk about the themes one through four, and then in two weeks, we will release another episode that will do themes five through seven. In the next couple of episodes, we're going to be kind of getting into some topics that we think relate to Catholic social teaching, and so we just kind of wanted to take this episode today to talk about what that is, how we kind of interpret the church's teaching on that. The U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops identify seven themes that lie at the heart of Catholic social tradition. Uh, The first one is life and dignity of the human person. The Catholic Church proclaims that human life is sacred and that the dignity of the human person is the foundation of a moral vision of society. And I was, I was looking at the same, the U.S. Um, Conference of Catholic, Catholic Bishops website, and it says in here that that this belief is the foundation of all the principles of social teachings. Like the know, core one that people think about when they're thinking of Catholic social teaching, maybe? Well, yeah, the one that you're like lies at the basis for all of them. So. Because all of them Spring reflect from. back to the dignity of the human person. Yeah, God made each person, so every life is important and should be protected. And so, to me, one of those catchphrases that we all hear, that womb to tomb. So, from conception all the way to natural death, we are supposed to be protecting human life. Um, That goes for things from the death penalty to euthanasia, genocide, abortion, and... It goes further than just what happens in the United States. This is a global issue. All the Catholic social teachings are global issues. So while we want to look locally, we also need to broaden our lens to what is happening in the world and reflect on our part in fighting for these things. Because social justice is talking about treating, you know, socially, how are we all treating each other with respect? And... I think we also need to talk a little bit about equity versus equality because they're not the same. Um, Getting people what they need, not necessarily getting them the same thing as somebody else because sometimes what they need isn't what is being given, if that makes any sense. Because a lot of times somebody says, oh, well, we gave this group one thing, so we have to give every group that. Well, if the other groups don't need those things, then that's not helping them very much. So, you know... Equal isn't always equitable, I think is where I was trying to go with. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so like I said, like death penalty, euthanasia, you know, genetic selection, but we want to respect all life in all of its forms. And I think I really like that you brought up that Catholic social teaching is a global um, set of tenets, for lack of a better word. It informs everything and all the decisions that the church makes regarding her position toward humanity all over the world and not just in America. And the reason why that is so critical is because 
the problems that we deal with in American society are not the same problems that people are dealing with across the world. And it can be very easy as Western Christians who were just sort of seeped into this Judeo-Christian system of thinking and being, whether it's with our laws or just with our programming or our religious influences growing up, we tend to think like Westerners about things that are not Western issues. And so it's important for us to remember when we're looking at Catholic social teaching that we're talking about people, and sometimes, sometimes we're talking about people with completely different worldviews and ideologies and problems and things like that. So it takes, a, I'm really glad that you brought it up, that it is a global thing and it requires us to step out of our bubble as Americans and try to understand other cultures. These tenets force us to do that. Because, you know, if you look at them as a, if you go down the list, there's seven of these principles which we're going to talk about briefly. If you go down the list, you know, as Americans, we're like, well, yeah, duh. Well, of course. Well, yeah. <laughs> but it isn't that way all over the world. And, and, and the way that we respond to the challenges of people from different countries must be more informed and informed by these tenants as opposed to just what we think as Americans who really are quite spoiled when it comes to, you know, our civil rights being protected and compared to other parts of the world. And so I feel like that's, it's really good that we remember that as we go through this. Um, Father Mike Schmitz, who is the author of a book that we're going to read together as a group and discuss as a part of this series, um, has a lot to say on these types of issues. If you feel like the rest of us, when we started to talk about this, that we were a little bit like clunky on the wording and being informed about exactly what the church believes and teaches. And so we wanted to kind of refresh ourselves. We felt a little bit. He has some really great short videos that you can look up that talk about all these different aspects and topics. And then, of course, you know, having being, uh, us reading the book, I think, is going to help, too, um, on the particular issue that, that we're going to discuss that time. So uh, I encourage you to look up his videos on Catholic social teaching. I think that that would be a big blessing as we go forward in this series. Well, and I will say too, that when we're talking about the life and dignity of the human person, that when we're discussing the different topics that we're going to discuss, that we can have different ideas in terms of application mm -hmm. of these different principles. And I know in our society right now, it's very divided. So if you have, if you're on one side and you, you know, hear somebody who has an opposing opinion, that oftentimes the, the you know, the, the idea is that, oh, well, you're a terrible person because you think this, you think it should be applied this way and then vice versa. And so when we're talking about this, I know that we're not all going to agree on everything and our listeners aren't going to agree on, on everything that we say, but um, I think this is a really an ample opportunity for us to discuss the charitable, you know, have a charitable discourse with one another um, so that we can really show that, you know, not only do we need to apply this, this dignity of the human person when we're talking about these issues, but also when we're talking to one another about them. Mm -hmm. And so I'm looking forward to that. I think it all comes down to like Catholic social teaching, like this about the human dignity dignity is that every person is made in the image of God. Um, not every person except that person. Not every person except for your annoying neighbor. You know, um, not every, you know, 
it's every person is made in God's image and we need to see God in every person. So going with that, uh, one of the things that we've taught in our uh, Circle of Grace curriculum is that every person is holy ground because the Holy Spirit dwells in them and God dwells in them. And so I like what you said, Annie, about seeing God in everybody. And I just think that kind of relates back that every per- everywhere that a person walks is holy ground because God dwells is a part of them and we when you think about that and how we treat each other in society today and in conversations and in just our daily interactions with people are we acting like we are on holy ground with other people are we treating them like God is present in our relationships and our interactions with each other so I really like that you pointed that out because that is really the root of showing dignity to one another that respect that common just acknowledgement that this is another human being i'm talking to and i think i think that it is appropriate here to call all catholics out over the last two years for the way that we have made an idol of our ideological and political affiliations and we have allowed that to divide us on a, long, on a long-term scale, you can see that Catholics are divided down the middle in lots of different ways right now. And we have allowed that to change the way we see each other. We have allowed that to change the way we talk to and about each other. I am guilty of it. Everyone in this room is guilty of harboring thoughts of superiority toward other Catholics who believe differently about you on this issue or that issue. And in the name of Jesus, I rebuke that because that is what is that is exactly what the enemy wants to do. And it has nothing to do with the dignity of the human person. We do not reflect to the world, which is our job, by the way, to reflect the love of the Trinity to the world when we, when we fight and bicker and take sides against one another in front of a watching world. That is absolutely the antithesis of what being a Catholic is. And I'm not trying to get all prophetic on you, but my Elijah spirit is coming out now because I have seen this happen over and over and over again, and it will not happen here on this podcast, and it will not happen while we have these conversations. And so that's what we want to be different, because what we're trying to do here is model what it's like to have an affirming and dignified discourse with people who may or may not agree with you on certain things, or like Alicia said so beautifully, the application of these principles. And so that's what we want to do here because it's so hard to do that. And we talked about it in a prior episode. Now we're going to show you how that can be done. So that's principle number one. (laughs) (laughs) The second theme is call to family, community, and participation. The person is not only sacred, but also social. How we organize our society in economics and politics and law and policy directly affects human dignity and the capacity of individuals to grow in community. Sacred and social. That that really stuck out to me when you read that, especially after what Lauren just said, because I know that the social aspect of church is a lot of times a hot topic for Catholics, because church is for worship. 
And so sometimes the social aspect ends up being a topic of discord. Where's the fine line between the social and the sacred? But right there, we say that they have to go together and participating. That's locally in our parishes during Mass, but also participating globally in trying to stay up on world views. Now, I do know that the news can be overwhelming, and it's a good idea everyone's fault to turn it off because we can't take care of everything. We can't, we can't worry about everything. And even Padre Pia tells us not to worry because worry is useless. But we still have to be aware so that we can participate appropriately in the conversations and in our actions in regards to those events. What I'm really seeing with these social justice teachings is they are, they're like little pyramids. Like there's your local and it spreads all the way out to the global. Like local, I mean, so far local as your family, in your house, your domestic church, all the way to your parish, to your city, your town or city, to your state or country or wherever you are, but it ends up, it's a domino effect. It's a global issue, like we said in the first one. The churches particularly, that participation part, and I struggle with it too, because we get into, we talked about this in previous podcasts, there are sometimes certain groups that are always doing something, so it's really hard to build up the courage to step in and say that you'll volunteer for something, or to step in and say that, you would like to help start some uh, start an organization at your parish. But I think at the end of that podcast, we kind of said, sometimes you just have to just jump in and, and not worry. God made us to be like part of a community and part, you know, starting at that very beginning with that, the smallest society, mm-hmm. our families, as Scott Hahn has a great book that I've started and restarted about 20 times because I have small children, um, called The First Society that is, takes a deep look at your family as a society and how your family and that community, um, the importance of that for your uh, for, for society at whole, I guess. And there's a sense, too, if you look at, um, at the Trinity, too, as a community. Mm-hmm. Everything... Everything is a community, and we mirror God's image in community. And I think we get into this thing where, like, well, I can do this on my own. I don't need anybody else. I don't need this. I don't need that. Or I don't need to do this with my husband. Or and and that's really not. There's a sense that a human being cannot fully become human without without being in community with other people in a way that is good for him. The best. The best situation is community and building and fostering and, and, and supporting policies that um, empower communities, that help keep communities strong. These are th- This is why the church talks about the importance of living in community and participating within a sacred community because the human itself cannot fully become what it's meant to be without a community. Well, and taking into account, too, like, talking about the person is not only sacred, but also social. 
um, and you were talking with Stacy about how like you know the sacred and the social have to come together. Like our faith has to inform every single aspect of our life. So you know it's not just like you're saying go into church and you worship on Sunday and then you leave and then Jesus is out of your life for the rest of the week until you come around again. It has to inform how you speak to people, how you interact with your family and your friends, how you um, how you vote and how you yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, yeah, so it, it really has to to envelop that that your entire being, like in every in, yeah every every aspect of your life. The third theme is rights and responsibilities. The Catholic tradition teaches that human dignity can be protected, and a healthy community can be achieved only if human rights are protected and responsibilities met. Specifically, this theme of social teaching um, is talking about the fundamental right to life, mm -hmm. that without that right to life, then you are not afforded, obviously, anything, because you're not here. So, I know that in this country, we've we have a history of slavery and I know that that's been a big struggle even in the recent recent events in the past year or two but I think a lot of times we forget that slavery still exists in this world even um, you know in other countries and sex trafficking and lots of different aspects um, I will get one of the themes here in a little bit is the right of the worker, but even, you know, wages for workers, you know, not being fair is a form of slavery in a way. And we, there's still, you know, child labor in countries. And we don't always think about that because we're here in the United States and we see through our lens, which is good. But we also need to see through a broader lens because while slavery in our current history may be over with, I mean, we still have it in this country with sex trafficking. And, there, and like I said earlier, it's in other countries. And I think sometimes when we put our blinders on, we forget that this, this theme is still important in today's culture. Right. It's, we, there's that fundamental right to life, but also the right to those things uh, required for human decency. Mm -hmm. um, and then corresponding to those rights are the duties and responsibilities that we um, have to each other to uphold those rights for others. And then even when you get talking about, but when people who are born with disabilities, I mean, we're even, you know, now globally, questioning their value and this theme also relates to them like they have a right to life because they were created by God and so we have to as Annie said we have the responsibility to voice their right to be here just because they are made in the likeness and image of God just like the rest of us I mean that's particularly um, being seen with um, you know, people with Down syndrome mm -hmm. right now, I think is probably one of the issues you're thinking of, Stacy. Mm -hmm. But um, and to protect, you know, like the responsibility we have to protect people who are discriminated against, like mm -hmm. in, in, to the to the, the marginalized, right? 
Yes. Well, I think that's one thing when we can delve into each one of these topics. Like, there's so much involved in each one of these mm-hmm. that we're not going to be able to go oh, over every no. single one of them. We could have, like, a year's worth mm-hmm. over and each one. And that's why these topics are so general. They're overarching yeah. principles, like you said, that have variant applications exactly. in different aspects and in different sectors of society. Mm-hmm. That it applies to every single one of us. It just depends on the, yeah, the application. Yeah, and, like I, and I think like we were talking about in the beginning, we're not going to be able to get into each one of these tonight or in this episode because you might be listening to it in the morning. Good morning. But um, <laughs> we do want to go through like what is involved in these because when we do start having some of these episodes that are going to dive deeper into these, we want to have a, we were trying to have this understanding beforehand so that we all know what we're going to be diving into. Really like what St. John the 23rd um, wrote, I'm guessing. Uh, Peace on Earth says, We must uh, speak of man's rights. Man has the right to live. He has the right to bodily integrity and to the means necessary for the proper development of life, particularly food, clothing, shelter, medical care, rest, and finally the necessary social services. In consequence, he has the right to be looked after in the event of ill health, Disability stemming from his work, widowhood, old age, enforced unemployment, or whatever, through no fault of his own, he's deprived of the means of livelihood. And I think that kind of like encompasses yes. it all. Yes. Yes. Thank you Perfect. so much for that. That was very helpful. Theme number four is the option for the poor and vulnerable. A basic moral test is how our most vulnerable members are faring. Mm-hmm. I think we just touched a little bit on that. And this is one that I think that Catholics, you know, we are very well versed and vocal about the option for the vulnerable uh, and the poor. And it goes, and like you said, the litmus test is really uh, how our most vulnerable are faring. And I I think that it's important to, to consider the more nuanced answers to that question. Um, how are our children faring emotionally? How, what is the, the emotional state of, um, just say America's children, just to, just because this is the Petri dish that we're working in. Um, how are our families faring, our babies, our elderly, our disabled? How are we as a society showing dignity to their emotional and spiritual health? I think it's easy to look and say something general like, well, we're caring for the children and we have these programs and we're caring for the elderly. But I think it goes deeper than that. It becomes much more personal when you start to ask questions about what am I doing to impact the emotional health of future generations or the emotional health of the generation that is older or um, disabled. I think that these questions begin to take on a more personal aspect when we look into the more nuanced applications of that. And I think that our answers may be a little bit more convicting if we look at it that way. Because in order for someone to understand who they are in Christ, they have to be treated with dignity emotionally. They have to feel safe. Because it's like a hierarchy of needs, and this kind of goes into what we were talking about before. If you don't feel safe in your emotional environment, how are we showing our children who God is? How are we showing the elderly who God is? Because remember, the entire point 
of all of these principles is to mirror the love of the Trinity to the world. That's the entire point of what we're doing. And so I think if we think about it in terms of spiritually and not just of, are we taking care of their bodies? Are we doing this? Yes, all of that. But it's also about what are you and I doing to change the trajectory back to the heart of Christ? That's what I think we need to be asking when we're talking about the option for the vulnerable and the poor because we can get stuck on policies, but it's far deeper than that. It, it, it has a lot to do with people, even like with mental illness in our own lives. Like these are the most vulnerable people in our society. There are groups of people in our society who are marginalized because of their particular mental illness. How are we treating them? How are we doing with reaching out to them and imaging the love of the Trinity to them? I think that's the question that, if we look deeper, may have a different answer than if we were just to say, from a purely policy standpoint, we have a lot of mental health options in this country. But how are these people doing? How are they doing, the vulnerable and the poor here? And then, of course, the world. Well, and I love how you said, you brought in the fact that, yes, we have a responsibility physically to be helping these people, but also spiritually. I Like we said, emotionally, like we've been saying since the beginning of this episode, that we are to be in community. And I think we've said it before, but our responsibility to each other is to help each other get to heaven. Yes. So how are we doing that? Mm-hmm. So I love that you brought that into this. I got goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really feel like with our kids or with anyone that we encounter, people are, you talk to people who are in religious life, and this is where I'm going with this. Okay, like nuns, monks. How did you know you had a vocation? You ask them that question. We spent a ton of time with religious lately, so this is just fresh on my mind. How did you know? And the thing they always say is that this is that moment, they they will point to a moment in their life where they experienced the love of God in a personal way and it became very real to them. Where all of a sudden, God was right in front of them expressing his love to them. And I have to believe that there's a language that has to be transferred for someone to be able to even understand that first. So when I treat my family member who has mental illness as if they're a burden to me, Am I giving her a lexicon to recognize the love of God when he comes to her? When someone is on their deathbed as an elderly person, have I looked in that person's life before they were to that place, shown them the love of God so that when he comes to them in their hour of death, they'll recognize him? Do you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. This is when this becomes way more personal and where it becomes less philosophical and ideological. Are we really giving people a language to be able to experience and understand the love of God? And as always, thank you for joining us. Thanks. Thank you. Join us again in two weeks when we finish our discussion about Catholic social teaching with themes 5, 6, and 7. Until then, may God bless you and may Mary accompany you.